Hello and welcome back to Wandering Through the Word. Today uh, is brought to you by uh, yours truly, Noah Dennis. And on the other side, we've got... It's still Pastor Dan. Welcome (laughs) back to the podcast, Pastor Dan. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. This week, we are kicking kicking off with Romans chapter 6. So we're continuing our series on Romans. We wrapped up Romans 5 last week. Now we're on Romans 6. It's going to be an exciting new chapter of Romans. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Dear God, as we open up your word today, would you open up our minds and our hearts to know you? Would you enrich our lives with your word? Would you bless our time together? We pray this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right. Uh, Pastor Noah, I know you are super into music. I know you started a band called Kindred, and you are so crazy about music. And I just want to ask you a question. Uh, what were your top three musical influences? Wow. Top three musical influences? I would have to say, number one, David Yoon. Uh, that guy knows not just how to sing, but how to worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a good dancer, too. <laughs> yeah, you should see him uh, live on Sundays. <laughs> mm-hmm. Other musical influences, oh, this is a hard question. <laughs> uh, harder than science, huh? Harder than physics. Harder than <laughs> physics. <laughs> uh, for the other two, I'm going to have to go with Queen and Journey. I like my classic rock and my classic 80s. Have you ever gone through a Bob Dylan phase? Bob Dylan. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some of his songs, but not like a phase. Not really. Well, uh, the reason why I'm asking is because there's a Bob Dylan song I really like called Gotta Serve Somebody. And the entire song is about every single type of person in the world, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're some sort of priest or you're some sort of like addict or whatever. Just all of them have to serve somebody. Everyone at the end of our life, we're all serving somebody. And so with that, how do you think that's going to help people understand what we're going to talk about in Romans chapter 6? That is an awesome way to transition it to Romans 6. Because Romans 6, Paul's going to show us we're always serving somebody, but that somebody is either going to be sin or it's going to be God. There's no in between there. Amen. Pretty sure Bob Dylan got the idea from the Bible. Bible did not (laughs) get it from Bob Dylan. (laughs) Bible came first. (laughs) All right. Well, for today, I, Pastor Dan, I'll be playing the role of the MC because Pastor Noah just has hiccups. So (laughs) I'm just going to be reading the verses and I'll just try to lead the conversation forward and let's pray for his hiccups. All right. So with that, let's start. Let's look at verse one through four. Uh, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. All right, so with that, uh, Pastor Noah, what should they be seeing? Or what is Romans 6 about? Like, what should they be seeing here? Like, we just already talked about with our opening example with Bob Dylan. We're all serving something, you know, we're all serving something. So what what makes Paul write Romans 6? Yeah, great question. What should we be learning from uh, Romans 6? Chapter 5 ends on this really high note. Wherever sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So we have this abounding, 
amazing, overflowing amount of grace that's covering all of our sin. And it's really, really an amazing thing. But Paul's coming back and he's taking a step back. So Romans 5 taught us that all of our sin in the past is covered, all of our sin in the future is covered, our future is secure with God. But now he's taking a step back and he's going to take a look at the present age. We're not living in eternity with God in heaven yet. There's still sin in this present world. So what's the Christian's relationship going to be with sin? And the big point that Paul's going to show us in chapter 6 is that life in sin is incompatible with life in Christ. They are two incompatible realities. You are either living in one you are living in the other, you are serving one or serving the other. And that makes sense too, because it looks like verse one pretty much starts with that kind of question. Like, if grace covers sin, I mean, technically, and you're a scientist, so maybe <laughs> mathematically, like, does that mean if I increase sin, I increase grace? You know, like the logic is like perfect. So, so shouldn't I sin more and more? And that's what Paul's asking, right? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what Paul's asking. Uh, so let me ask you then, uh, which which is exactly what it seems like the people against Paul are asking. Mm-hmm. If grace covers all my sin, why should I ever obey? That is exactly the question that Paul's asking here. <laughs> that's a phenomenal question. So I'm just asking you to be Apostle Paul right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't be Apostle Paul, but I can read his words to you. <laughs> that's good enough. That's the best we can do. <laughs> but that is, that's hitting it. Uh, on the nose right there. We do ask similar questions in our life. You know, if God's going to forgive me anyway, why don't I just live the way I want to live? Or if God's grace is so great, you know, like, why don't I just go ahead and commit that sin and ask for forgiveness later? These are all questions that are in the same vein. Why don't we just keep sinning if God's grace is going to cover all of our sin? And what Paul's going to show us here, at least in this first half of chapter six, is that grace doesn't free us to sin more. It frees us from sin. It seems kind of counterintuitive at first because if God's going to forgive us anyway and if His grace is going to cover us anyway, you know, it seems like we are free to just sin. But the reverse is true. God's grace frees us from sin instead of frees us to sin. Yeah. And it seems like the reason why it's true is because it's saying that we were baptized into Jesus Christ's death. Like, Remember how in Romans 5, we said that we have this new family we are identified in. Mm-hmm. But it's not just with our identity, but it's also with like our life and death. And we are so closely identified with Christ that Jesus's death is identified as our death too. And we died to sin when Jesus died. So in Jesus, we are so closely identified with Jesus Christ that it's like when he died, I died too. We we died to sin. And in Christianity, so often we talk about the idea of a new relationship. Christianity is all about a new relationship. But actually what we see in Romans 6 is that Christianity is about two new relationships. Well, I mean, more than two. Mm-hmm. You could join the church, the body of Christ and all that stuff. But here we see two new relationships. We have a new relationship with God, but we also have a new relationship with sin. Mm-hmm. And so what what, do you, what would you like to add about that? That's exactly what Paul's getting at here. We have a new relationship with God and we have a new relationship with sin. Well, what is our new relationship with God? Um, I think the Bible talks about this in many different places. Uh, if you we were at our church on Sunday, we talked about John 3, where Jesus tells Nicodemus, you have to be born again. What's that new relationship we have with God? It's life with God. We are alive to God instead of being dead to God. Well, we have a new relationship with sin as well. And that's what Paul's going to talk about here. Our new relationship with sin is that now we are dead to sin. Before we were alive to sin, now we are 
dead to sin. And both of these new relationships are in Christ. When Christ died and we, we died with him, meaning that we died to sin. And when Christ was resurrected, it means we live with him. We are alive with God. All right. That was great. So just to summarize what Pastor Noah said, he was saying, at first we are dead to God, alive to sin. But through salvation, it's like God places the reverse card in Uno. (laughs) And all of a sudden we are alive to God and dead to sin. And in a sense, that's kind of what we see in Romans 6. Uh So with that, let's just go into the mechanic of how Paul is saying that. It looks like in verse 5 through 11, he's explaining how that has happened. Uh, Verse 5, he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall be certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Once again, the death like his is just because our identities are so closely tied with Christ. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And it seems like in the end, that's what we're trying to say. Yeah, verse 11, that last verse that we just read, it's the whole pivot point around this whole chapter. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. The two lives are incompatible. I mean, you can't be half alive in one and half alive in the other. Uh, it's either dead or alive. There's no in-between there. Yeah, so now this leads to the million-dollar question, which is, Honestly, sometimes sin doesn't feel that dead. Like, you know, we all get tempted, like, especially like a lot of our listeners who are driving back home, like, man, like the five freeway adds to my sinfulness. Like it it adds, it, it aggravates my sinful heart. So, and, but sometimes like, I don't even need, I'm so wicked. I don't even need the five freeway to make, to tempt me. Like sometimes I'm just tempted on my own. So sometimes sin doesn't feel very dead. So what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, man, isn't that the million dollar question? (laughs) I know. I wish there was like a, you know, like like a three-step easy plan or just take this pill and you stop sinning. (laughs) Right, right. And I, yeah, wish there was an easy answer to all of this, but it's reality. Sometimes sin doesn't feel so dead. Even though we should be dead to it, it doesn't feel so dead. And I think um, to answer this question, I think we should look a little bit up at what exactly Paul means by being dead to sin. Does that mean like, you know, our body is like a lifeless body that doesn't get poked or prodded by sin? Not exactly. I think what Paul means by being dead to sin is that we're no longer enslaved by sin. Sin's not our master. I mean, even though we're sometimes tempted by sin, uh, even though we still live in a sinful, broken world, sin's not our master. We're not enslaved by sin. Amen. And so just to add on, I think what you're sharing is exactly the heart of verses 12 through 14, which is going to be the rest of the first half. Because like in verse 12, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as an instrument, as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. And so to 
really add on to what you've been sharing, I think it's absolutely right. When the Bible says that we're dead to sin, I think verse 12 makes it clear that it's this idea of don't let it rain in your mort. It's the idea of you no longer have to obey it. You have a choice now. And the idea is you're dead to sin as in the terms of if sin was your master. So sin can still influence you. It can still tempt you, but it is no longer your master. Therefore, it no longer reigns over you and makes you obey. For the first time now, you are free. You are free to choose between God and sin. And so the Bible is saying that salvation has set us free to make a choice now between God and sin. And that's an amazing thing. Amen. The power of sin is broken. Mm -hmm. Sin has no more power to reign over. Yes, exactly. It has no power, though it still has its presence. Mm. The presence has not been wiped out in the sense that it keeps tempting us and causing us to have of wrong attitudes, wrong hearts, wrong thoughts. But the power of it, the absolute power is broken where now we are free to choose to obey God instead. Amen. I think verse 12 is really encouraging to us too because Paul himself is admitting that sin's presence is still here in this world. Uh, if it wasn't, if it was completely wiped out, there would be no reason for verses 12 to 14 to exist. Paul wouldn't need to tell people, let sin not reign in your mortal bodies because people would already automatically be doing it. It's very encouraging to us that Paul acknowledges that, yes, sin is still, it's present, but it's not alive in us. Its power doesn't grip us like we were when we were alive to sin. Yeah, and Paul, it seems like he needs to let us know this. Uh, as you know, people who have studied history have spoken, like, you know, like, unfortunately, America does have a history with slavery. Mm-hmm. And even after the war and things like that, um, it's the Civil War. And even after slaves were set free, even though they're set free, some of them still f- lived in fear of their old master. Because they did not, even though there was no reason to obey their old master, they still did it because they were afraid of the power, even though the power has been broken. And many Christians live that way, where they live as if sin is still their old master and they dutifully obey sin when that power of sin and the mastery of sin has actually been broken. So Paul in Romans 6 is proclaiming this good news like, you're free. You're free. You're free because we tend to forget and we tend to start living in our old ways as if we are still enslaved by it. Amen. Yeah, we even look at the history of the Israelites in the Bible. Uh, God gave them a Sabbath and made them practice the Sabbath as a law to remind them that, hey, you're no longer slaves. You guys deserve rest. Yeah, it's so funny because like people wonder why God is so strict with Sabbath. And part of it is because to teach them to you know, the sacred time, sacred space, and all that, just devoting it and worshiping God. And that's a big part of it too. But also you have to enforce it because the Israelites were not used to resting. And so God has to force them. You're no longer these types of slaves like you were in Egypt. But it's so hard for our new identity to break our old habits. Um, let me give it another example. This is just off the top of my head. It might be really dumb. If it's really dumb, feel free to edit it out. Okay. But, um, as some of our listeners know, uh, my wife and I have adopted two cats. They're rescues. Uh, their names are Suki and Shiro, and they're from the streets. But the thing is, when they first came into our house, they lived as if they were always 
in danger. They, they lived as if we were always trying to hurt them. And they lived as if the street is what really where they were comfortable. And so they always kept trying to run out the door, run back outside, which is where they live. And while inside, we kept trying to take care of them. And it's kind of like that. And when we first become a Christian, like sometimes we feel as if the world is really where we belong and God is trying to hurt us when actually God is the one who's trying to take care of us, feed us, nurture us. But we in our old fear, in our old identities, keep running back to our old ways and it hurts us. And it will, like what Paul is doing, he's letting us know we are free to enjoy this good life, this new life. And that's what we are supposed to do. Amen. Now, like you said earlier, it really doesn't feel like we're always free from sin. Sometimes it feels like we're enslaved by sin. Uh, what would you say to a listener who may have been the sin that they have in their life and they've been struggling with the sin for so long that it feels like it's just impossible to ever break out and live free from the sin? I think uh, several things. Uh, one thing I would say is, um, first is the encouragement, which is that sin does not define you. I think what's more important to let guide your heart and your understanding of your walk with God is not your sin, but your repentance. And not because your repentance is your identity in the sense where you're earning it, but because repentance will remind you of God's grace, and that should be your identity. When we look in the Gospels, everyone knows famously that Judas betrayed Jesus, but Peter also betrayed Jesus. But Judas ended up ending his own life because he just identified himself only with his sin, while Peter eventually was able to identify himself through God's grace that forgave him of his sin. So I think it's very important for those who are struggling that your sin is not your identity. God's grace is your identity, but you will be reminded of that when you truly repent. So I want to encourage people, don't make your fall, your flaw, your identity. Uh, but with that, I would also like to encourage them too that sanctification, uh, that's just a big word for a growing in Christ-likeness. It's a very slow process. And um, I want to encourage them because sometimes when you read the Bible, you might compare yourself with the King Davids and uh, the Daniels, and you might think, I'll never be that. However, when you actually read through the Bible, you realize that King David and Abraham and all these men and women of God had such long journeys of faith. And they are so flawed and they are so imperfect. And so we have to understand that it takes time. And sometimes we get so, so caught up in self-condemnation because we are not where we want to be. But God really takes a very, very, very long time changing us. The answer that the example I always give is because sometimes we just want our hearts to be very prettied up, like to look very beautiful. Um, but the way I would imagine is like if you went to a new, uh, an old house and if you want to make it pretty real fast, just put up some new wallpaper. But if the walls are decaying, then after a while, it's not going to deal with the issue. And what God does with our hearts is he doesn't just put up Christian wallpaper across our hearts. He goes in and it hurts, but he breaks down the walls and he starts rebuilding them and reforming them. And that's why it takes so long. And that's why it hurts so much. And God goes so deep. 
but that's the real work God is doing in your heart. So I want to encourage you. It takes time, but don't be discouraged. That's not a sign that God is not working. It's probably a sign that he is working. He's working deep in your heart. And lastly, I would encourage you to keep fighting because once again, it's not your master. You are set free from the old way. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but remember the devil is a liar. Don't trust what the devil says. You are free from it. It does not define you and you do have a choice. So I hope that encourages anyone who's struggling and we are on your side. I would go as far to say, and I know this is no exaggeration. I have felt, Pastor Noah has felt, all of us have felt exactly what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. We're all in this boat together. Amen. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for that encouragement, Pastor Dan. I think that's exactly what Paul means when he says sin will have no dominion over you. It won't be able to be our identifier. And there is no sin that uh, is too powerful for God to not work in. Sanctification is a lifelong process and we'll continue to work at it our whole life, but uh, we can't give up. We can't let it have dominion over us. Amen. So with that, it's that seems like a good way of summarizing the entire first half of Romans 6. It's this idea of why should we do good? Why should we obey if we already have grace? It's not because we are earning our relationship with God. It's because we have a new relationship with God and a new relationship with sin. And so the reason why we obey is not to be loved, but it's because we are already loved and we are in a very special way now dead to sin. The death we have to sin, even though it does not feel absolute, it is credited to us because we are so identified with Christ's death to sin. And lastly, what that means is it does not mean that we never sin. It does not mean that we are never tempted. But it means that now we have a choice because sin is no longer our master. It no longer reigns in our body to make us obey. But we have a choice now to present our bodies to God instead. All right, so with that, that's the first half. So let's go over quickly now the second half of Romans 6. Anything you want to say before I read through some of the verses? Yeah, the second half of Romans 6 is going to be a very similar structure. Paul's going to ask a new question, but the topic is going to stay the same. We're still going to be talking about this new life in Christ and this death to sin, but in a new perspective. So let's go ahead and read that. All right, so let me read from verses 15 through 19. Paul says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented yourself slaves, members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Yeah, I think this takes us right back to the introduction you started us out with with Bob Dylan. Uh, you're You're a slave to something. You're a slave mm-hmm. to something. And Paul's laying it out here so clearly. We're either a slave to God or a slave to sin. There's no in-between there, one or the other. 
Amen. So it seems like the first half of Romans 6 is really focused on the idea of being dead to sin, so it's no, no longer your master. But the second half is focusing on, but you have a new master, and that new master is God. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, why is that good news? What is Paul trying to tell us here? Yeah, that's amazing news. The question that Paul asks here is, we're under grace, so technically we're not under the law. There's no obligation to follow the law. So the big question that Paul's asking is, well, why should we serve God if God's given us all of his grace anyway? Maybe this is a question that you've asked yourself too at some point. You know, it's like, why do I have to follow God's rules? Or why do I have to do what the Bible says? Why do I have to do these Christian things? You know, I just want to live the way I want to live. Uh, maybe that's a question that you've asked before. Uh, this is exactly the question that Paul's trying to tackle here. Uh, why should we serve God? So it seems like um, people might think, oh, God is just so harsh. He's just forcing us to obey him. And it's so uptight and rigid. And it's like a straitjacket. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, that's so real. What you bring up there is sometimes following God feels like we're losing our freedom feels like we have to give up the joys and the fun that we have in the world. Many people are afraid of following God because it feels like, yeah, we have to give up our personal freedom. But but here's the reality. The reality is that we were never free in the first place. We've always had a master over us. And that master, whether we realize it or not, is either sin or it's God. And we've always had a master over us. And so if I were to answer your question, you know, it feels like sometimes we have the straitjacket over us. I I would answer it by saying uh, we've always had a straitjacket over us and that God is freeing us from the straitjacket of sin. Yeah, so with that, we could even look at the last part of Romans 6. Look at verse 20. It says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and an eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so to just kind of piggyback with what Pastor Noah said, like so often we feel like, oh, God is keeping me from being free. God is restricting my freedom. But look at what Paul says, like, what is your life apart from God? Like, what can you achieve in sin that's not temporary? Like, really think about that. What could you ever achieve in sin that's not temporary? Like he says, the end of all those things is death. And he's right. Like, everything you could achieve in sin is so short and temporary and ultimately meaningless. And what Paul is saying is that that's not freedom. It's not freedom if everything you do ends in destruction and ends so quickly. It's not freedom if your everything you do, all the glory just fades immediately. That's the wrong view of freedom. That's really not freedom if you think about it. It's how is it freedom if all the choices you could ever make in your life is meaningless? That's not freedom. And what Paul is saying is that righteousness, following God, that's true freedom because now all your actions genuinely matter and you get to choose how it matters that's a powerful freedom because now it's a freedom that matters 
It's a freedom that has significance. It's a freedom that creates things that last for eternity. That's the beautiful thing that God is calling us into. And he says the wages of sin is death. And it's talking about like how following God leads to eternal life. And I want to ask all our listeners like what Paul is saying. Like so often we think, God, you're taking my life from me. Oh, God, I'm so tired of you taking my life from me. And we think like it's such a big thing, but I want to ask you, if you stop living for God today, would you somehow be able to hold on to your life for eternity? And the answer is obviously no. Even if you walked away from God, you don't get to keep this life. You don't. And what we see in Romans 6 is God is asking you to give up what you could have never held on to. God is asking you to give up what you were going to lose anyways. And so there's true, this is an eternally good bargain that God is offering to us. And it's so hard when we think so much about the world. But when we look at Romans 6, we are reminded anything I could have achieved in sin is temporary anyways. And I'm going to lose this life anyways. And God is asking me to give up this life that I can't even hold on to. That is why the second half of Romans 6 shows why God is better. He's a better master. So it's not only great news that we lost our old master of sin. It's great news that we have a great new master who is God. And in him, there's true freedom and eternal worth and purpose. Amen. We were never free in the first place, but God has freed us from sin so that we can be free in God. So how does obedience fit into this? Where does obedience fall into this? Well, obedience, like we said, is is choosing life. It's choosing God. It's choosing to no longer invest in the things that are temporary and ultimately meaningless and don't add to our lives. But through obedience, we are actually living out God's blessing in us. So um, with my my parents, um, they own like a daycare center for like kids who are uh, maybe like becoming like toddler age. And um, one time um, there was this toddler and he was eating, he was outside and he was eating a watermelon slice. And it is summer. So, you know, watermelon is perfect for summer. <laughs> And so this kid's eating this watermelon slice and he finished eating the red part, the watermelon. And then he walks around and he drops the green part. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know what that's called. What do we call that? The rind. The rind. That's what's called. Okay. See, that's why you're so smart. I would have said like a, like a crust or something. <laughs> but yeah, he dropped the green part and fell on the ground and it's dirty and he picked it up and I saw him about to put it in his mouth. Oh. And then I run and I grab it, you know, I grab it so he can't do it. And so I'm but not like forcefully, but I'm just grabbing the end of it, pretending to be the same strength as him. Okay. <laughs> and so I tried to reason with him, you know, it's dirty, it's dirty, but he just looks at me like, I'm eating this, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, it's the green part. Second, the part. Second of all, it's dirty, but he's just giving, he has fire in his eyes. He wants to fight me. And so I keep trying to pull it, but he's holding on so tightly. And so I decide, let me bargain with him, you know? And so I pull out a new watermelon slice and I said, if you give me the dirty one, I'll give you the good one. And he says, 
no. <laughs> and then he tries to pull a fast one on me and he tries to pull with all his might and put into his mouth the dirty one. So I grab the dirty one. I just throw it away and starts crying. And then I give him the, the new one. But he's crying and he's upset. And I can't help if that's what we look like when we choose not to obey with God. Like God is like, you're just going to hurt yourself with that. You're just going to hurt yourself with that. Look, I, I, my way is better. I got something better for you. And we just look at God like a baby and we're like, no. <laughs> and we're so adamant and we're so angry and we're so sure we are right. When in the end, we're hurting ourselves. And so I think in that way, it shows us obedience is not keeping us from the good things. Obedience is giving us the good things. Amen. Following God isn't the thing that's restricting our freedom. It's the very thing that's protecting our freedom. All right. So with that, let's start to wrap things up. Okay. Let me summarize everything. Uh, Romans 6 starts to talk about this gospel in our daily life, like what the gospel looks like today. It's not just this theoretical thing, but it changes our lifestyle today. And what we saw was two parts. First part, we saw that we are freed from our old master, which was sin, because we have been counted dead with Christ. So we are so identify with Christ. We are dead with Christ, but we are also alive in Christ. So that's the first thing. We are dead to our old master, which is sin. The second thing we saw was we have a new master and God is a great master, much better than our old master. And actually in the old way of living, we were not free, but by living in God, we are finally free. So with that, let me ask uh, Pastor Noah, do you have like one or two applications for any listener of how to uh, live this out in their daily life? Yeah, I do. Uh, I have two applications. The first one has to do with the first part. Um, we went over the idea that sin has no power over us, meaning that it has no dominion, no power, and it's not our identity. So my question, my application question for you guys is, what are some sins in your life that you easily identify with? And how does knowing that you are dead to sin's power change the way you think about your sins? How does knowing that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ change the way you think about sin or you change the way you identify with sin? So that's the first application. The second application has to do with the second part of Romans 6. We talked about how uh, we have this tendency to think that following God means putting restrictions on our freedom, when in reality it's protecting our freedom because following God leads to life. So our application question is uh, to first uh, think about sin. What are ways that your sins entrap you or, or what are practical ways where it strips you of your freedom? And secondly, now that you're free from sin, what are some things that you are now free to do only because you are free from sin? What are some of those things that you can do today? So those are our application questions for today. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this time. Um, we're always grateful for you guys to listen with us as we wander through the Word together. We're so grateful for this body of Christ where we can just grow together through the Word. And so with that, let me close this in prayer. And God bless you. So let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this time where we have learned uh, through Romans 6 about our new relationship with you and with sin and how you set us free. Truly, God, whatever we pursue in the world, it's not freedom because it all leads to the same end. It leads to uh, temporary whatevers and then destruction. But God, you set us free from that meaningless cycle and you set us free into uh, eternity, into 
an opportunity to do something that really matters. So I pray, Lord God, that you help us to obey you. I know it's not easy, but I pray that you would encourage all of us to live more for you and to live truly for what matters. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And as we go through Romans, we learn so much more of what the gospel means to us. Truly, it is the power of salvation. So help us, Lord, to live with you and to walk with you. And I pray that you would encourage everyone, especially when they get home from a long day of work. Be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, we will see you guys next week with Romans chapter 7. God bless.